Hello, LinkedIn. Welcome. How's everyone doing today? You are tuning in to LinkedIn Live with Fanny Dunnigan. And let's see who's out there right now. Hello, Danielle. Howdy from Dallas, my hometown. Esther from Allen. Welcome, welcome. And uh, oh, this doesn't show up, but it's Mary Havner. Thank you. You are on the Virtual Career Summit. That's right. Awesome. Yolanda, welcome. Hello. Andy. Hey, Andy. I saw you on the Who You Know show, I think, right? And uh, Debbie, thank you for tuning in. Awesome. Welcome, everybody. I'm just waiting for a few more folks to join. Just let me know where you're tuning in from. And also one thing that I always tell people is feel free to network in the comments. Let people know what industry you're from. Let people know what your expertise is. And just you know, network with each other in the comments. It's a great place to meet new people, great place to share your expertise and exchange ideas. So definitely do that down there in the comments. And Mary's from Blacksburg, Virginia. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, so let's get started. So as with every week, I wanted to start off the show with a content tip of the week. And today I want to tell you about the idea of an origin story. So when you're creating content, and even for your website or video series, share with people your origin story. And what is the origin story? The origin story talks about how you got started, what motivates you, and why you're doing what you do now. And just to share really briefly about my origin story and why I'm, I'm so passionate about content creation and helping people find their brand, find their voice, and have them share it through video. And the reason is I think growing up, I was always the quiet kid. I was afraid to speak up for fear of disapproval, for fear of saying the wrong thing. And I always stayed quiet, even though things are always churning in my brain. And as I entered the corporate world and got into consulting, I was kind of like almost pushed and uh, empowered to present to clients and train clients. And that was kind of when I finally felt like I stepped into my element and was able to communicate and train people. And even now, as I help people build their brands and help job seekers, you know, get out there with video content, I'm still very passionate that we may come from simple origins, we may come from being quiet or shy or introverted, but the world still needs to hear your voice and the world still needs to know about your expertise and everyone out there, you have something to say and what you say matters. So whenever you can, um, share your origin story. And I think that's what connects us and that's what motivates us and that's what, um, really connects us to people and build community. So that's my content tip of the week, share your origin story. 
So let's see who else has joined. Andy, hello from Capel, welcome. And then we also have Esther, pricing analyst, welcome. And Kripa, did I pronounce that? Yes, quiet kid. <laughs> I know how you feel, awesome. Well, today I have a very special guest and uh, just a little brief history um, one of the reasons I invited this guest on is we actually met, I think, two years ago. And ever since I saw a post of his, I felt very connected to who he was and his message. And again, the importance of creating content, because sometimes you never know who you're going to touch with your content and what kind of connections you're going to make. So everyone, please help me in welcoming Mr. Jordan Carroll. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. Welcome all the way from Mexico, right? Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Si. Now you speak with an accent. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás, Penny? Oh, I don't know. Bien, bien, y tú. Bien. Oh, welcome, welcome. Jordan Carroll the remote job coach, official member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Thank you for joining me. For those of you in the audience, Jordan and I met um, through uh, Chantel Seamus. She was interviewing you and uh, Chantel's another great content creator on LinkedIn. And you were talking about living the remote life. And I was so curious about it because I love travel. And uh, and that's how we connected. We just started talking from there in the comments, right? And the relationship continues. Uh, a, and a the budding friendship. And Fanny, I can't say enough about how inspirational you are. Like that. Oh. That's the little speech before this. I was starting to start to tear up. I was like, Are you really going to bring me on right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> um, so for those of you out there. Um, Jordan is a remote job coach, and um, he helps to create content, courses, and coaching programs to help high performers learn a proven process to land legitimate remote jobs, gain freedom and flexibility in their lives. And Jordan, you've done a lot. I mean, you've worked across Fortune 50 tech companies. Uh, you also were part of a re remote first travel company and I want to talk a bit more about that later. And then also part of a lot of startups, and yeah. as well as your own business, right? I, I've, been, I've been blessed uh, to have a, a mixed variety of experiences that I think has given me a very unique perspective to be able to do the job that I do um, and actually do something that I really, really enjoy doing. And yeah, um, yeah I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. So. I'm, I'm interested to hear what kind of questions you're going to grill me with. <laughs> I know, right? So today, the whole topic is secrets of finding remote work. Because, Jordan, you've been doing it for a long time, way before this COVID-19 pandemic, like before we were forced to work remotely. Yeah. You were doing it for, for the sheer pleasure of working remotely. Right. So tell us, tell us about that lifestyle, right? What, what yeah. is the definition of remote work, and and how has it evolved? 
Well, and one of the interesting things that you mentioned was about telling origin stories, right? So mm -hmm. very weird thing is that I went back into my origin story this past week ah. and I had realized that my first time working remotely was this telemarketing gig that uh -huh. I had in college. Yes. I had a, there was an insurance company that I was interviewing with and this insurance company had said to me, Hey, you know, we really like you. You're, you're a young guy. You got a lot of great ambition and talent, but you don't have enough sales experience. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to go find a sales job. I already had two part-time jobs at the time. I was working with some organizations on campus. I had a full-time course load and I was like, let me jump on some telemarketing calls and sell a few things and bring it back to them and show them, hey, like you said I don't have enough sales experience. I will go out and get some sales experience between now and the next time we talk. That never happened. They went with somebody else who had already had experience, who had uh, been outside of, of the university system, already had a sales uh, position before. So they ended up going with them. But with that, that, that signified two things to me though. One of them was confidence, confidence in my ability to go out and do something and take action Mm -hmm. where there was maybe a gap in my skills or in my experience. And then there was also this whole side of me that was like, wow, this kind of remote flexible thing is pretty cool, right? Like I, I, I basically just needed my phone and my computer. Yeah. So what ended up happening was I ended up working for IBM, which was an even better organization to work for than the insurance company that I was going to work for. And right. we had a snow day. I was living in Boston, Massachusetts. We had a snow day. <laughs> And I was in training. We were commuting about an hour and a half each way. And the snow day effectively was my first day working remote. And I tell you what, I took full advantage of just sleeping in. Um, <laughs> it was it was like, yeah. I'm going to sleep in longer. I'm going to work from my bed. You mm -hmm. know, I'm going to I'm going to basically use this time as a hangover buffer, like whatever I could figure out as far as like making that situation a good thing for me. But over time, what I realized as I started to work remotely more, I ended up negotiating to be remote um, mm. at least one day a week with yeah. that in, during the training period. And then once I was done with that, I became a full-time remote employee. I did have to travel on site to customers, but anytime I was not at a customer, I was remote kind of wherever I wanted to be. And what I realized was this actually had a deeper impact on not only my lifestyle, but my health and my relationships and everything that 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 I wanted to create out of my life, um, I could because I was remote and mm -hmm. not having to, to commute and not having to feel the pressure of being in an office. So that's when I really figured like, oh wow, that's this is gonna be a big deal for me. Right. And the way that I see this all developing even further is, you know, remote work is, let's just clarify, right now is not remote yeah. work. Mm. This is not Tell me more, work. what does that mean? This this is like, hey, we're in a pandemic and we can't go outside. Everybody stay in and try to act normal and work from home. This is what this is. Remote work is the freedom to go to a local coffee shop, work out of the coffee shop, enjoy the experience of the freedom and flexibility, to enjoy the experience of potentially traveling, visiting yeah. a friend, staying there for some amount of time while you get your work done. It's the freedom and flexibility. That's what we don't have right now. So I just yeah. want people to understand, like this is, if you, this is the first time that you're working remotely because of this, I, I don't want that to taint the uh, yeah. impression uh, of what remote work actually is, is designed to be. And one of the, I mean, the very first time I interviewed you was you were in Africa, right? South Africa. Yeah. 
-hmm. And then <laughs> I follow your newsletter and sometimes you're sending from South America and Chile, I think one time you were yeah. there, right? And mm -hmm. then, and you were part of this program in this company called Remote Year, which I mm -hmm. found to be such a fascinating idea. Um, before we dive a little deeper, like tell people about this concept of Remote Year and this company sure. that you're with. Yeah, and what's up, Trevor? I see he's shouting me out in the comments. Um, yeah. So remote, remote Year is a program that essentially for a monthly fee takes care of all of the different logistics of traveling and working remotely. You bring your own remote job, you have a remote job and you wanna travel, you pay this company money, they'll provide you with the community, they'll buy all your flights, they have a wide range of different countries that they go to and you have like an itinerary that you travel to with this group of people. So I left in March of 2018 for four months wow. with 40 people that I had never met in my life. I had just gone through a breakup and I said, I'm getting out of the country. <laughs> if, <laughs> I'm quitting my job. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, uh, moving apartments. I left Portland, Oregon. And I said, I'm gonna go travel. So I went to three cities in Europe. I went to um, Lisbon, Portugal, split Croatia, Prague, Czech Republic. And then the last one was in uh, South Africa. I went to wow. Cape Town. Wow. So, so from there, I actually got a job with Remote Year. And I want to clarify to everybody, yeah. if you want to know about secrets, so we want to get the first secret out of the way. Yeah. Um, become a customer of the company that you want to work for. Because when you have a customer-centric vision of what the customers are experiencing from any company. So let's use Remote Year for an example. I actually wanted to work, I wanted to work at Remote Year, but I also wanted to do the program. So mm -hmm. I, I figured in my head like, okay, well, why don't I go do the program, become an essential part of their community, get to know the coworkers and different people, employees in the organization. And then by the time that they're, uh, their job openings happened, two people had already submitted my resume. I never formally applied. So yeah, like that's, that's a huge thing, right? And, and you think about it, like find all these target companies and figure out if, if you can't become a customer, if that doesn't make sense, then what parts of the communication process are you experiencing as mm -hmm. a, as a potential customer? Have you, have you joined their newsletter? Are you following them on social media? Are you, are you seeing what kind of, content that they're putting out into the world because yeah. you can use that to your advantage when it comes to understanding what it is that they need. Awesome. Yes. And also like, how did you transition then to your own company right now? Right. You, you exclusively coach people now on finding remote work, right? What led you to this place? Yeah. Uh, well, I was, so when I first joined remote year, I was, I was coaching. That was what I was doing um, because you had to have a remote job, right? To be on the programs. So when we talked in Africa, I was, I was doing career coaching. Um, but then what had eventually happened was as I worked more within the uh, remote year ecosystem, I realized how many people were calling us thinking that we were providing the, the work, which we weren't. So that validated one, the need. And then I also was like, Hey, you know, I've worked remotely for, many years now so i have an expertise and an ability to get remote work with a variety of different companies that i think can help others 
Yeah. And that's really where I was like, I put the two and two together. I was like, I'm already helping people do this. I'm already putting myself in a position where um, they're trusting me with helping them guide them in their career. And, mm -hmm. and if you think about our last video, remember the video that you introduced me, we were talking about resume stuff. We were talking yeah. about job search. Like that's what we were talking about. Cause that's, that's where I was at at that time. And then it just has really niched down into me realizing like, Hey, this, this remote thing is the future, right? Yeah. Like that's, this is where I want to be. So over the course of the past two, three years, that's, that's really, um, you know, been what, what I've targeted on. So as far as job seekers, I mean, you help job seekers find remote work, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think is their biggest struggle right now? Mm. What is the, the, the pain point? What yeah. do people always ask you about? I, yeah, I see kind of like a, I don't want to say completely linear because people fall into different spectrums of this, but mm -hmm. I see quite a few different things. One is desperation, right? Because mm -hmm. we're in a, a time where one, they're desperate not to go back to an office or two, the, the circumstances that are happening in the world right now has created the desperation for them, a uh, need yeah. for income, need for 40 million, freedom. right? Yeah. Unemployment. It's, yeah, goodness. it's pretty crazy. Um, so that doesn't help, right? Like that's a yeah. big challenge already to go into a job search when you're desperate, it doesn't put you in the best spot. Yeah. Um, and then they get kind of overwhelmed because there is a lot of information out here right now as far as like, if you search online remote job, like you're gonna find like a ton of different listings, you're gonna find a ton of different websites, but yeah. it's hard to know how to navigate those things, right? Like navigate, yeah. which, which, what do I look at first? Mm -hmm. w for where I'm at in the process, what's most relevant to me? So they get kind of stuck. And, and what happens is you just don't do anything or you, you become paralyzed by that. Yeah. Um, and that becomes frustrating because then you start sending out applications, you're getting ignored, you start to get angry and you start to get uncertain. And all of this is basically a big feedback loop. And if you think mm -hmm. about feedback loops in our lives, when we go through things that are particularly traumatic or they reinforce a negative experience, yeah. we stay in that negative experience and then you start expecting you used to get so mm. discouraged mm. that you start expecting to fail. And then we're in our heads. It just yes. loops in our heads. Yes. And, and, you, and it's really hard to get out of that because once you've started to have, like place that doubt and you lose that confidence, then you're really doing a disservice because every time that you send out any communication to any company, they feel that. Yeah. They feel that you're desperate. They feel that you're frustrated. You don't do your best work. Um, Trevor and I, when we were on our yeah. Our uh, discussion, he had talked a lot about, um, you know, how to start building off. Shout out to Trevor Houston real quick, real yeah. quick. The Who You Know Job Networking Show at 3 p.m. Central every Wednesday. Everyone so knows it, right? Check it out. <laughs> um, and we had yeah. talked about like this exact trend happening. And, and this is where it creates that huge line at the front door, too, where hiring managers are just getting bludgeoned by desperate job seekers. Yeah. And that's 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 really tough because then you don't stand out. Yeah. So then what are your your tips? Like how what is a better way to find these remote opportunities on LinkedIn? Yeah, so if we're talking about LinkedIn in specific, I mean obviously there's there's quite a few different places that you could find remote work, but LinkedIn in all of its glory, which we're on, you know, we're streaming on right now. Yeah. <laughs> is the the mecca of everything like and here's why because linkedin is not only the place that 
hosts your personal brand, your resume, your mm -hmm. background, yeah. but it also is a place that allows you to connect and communicate with people you would have no other way to do that with. Either way, it has the job listings, it has yeah. a recruitment platform, it has the content platform. It's literally everything everywhere. Like LinkedIn is everything everywhere. So yeah. the the ways that you can, I mean, there, you obviously can sort in the LinkedIn jobs remote and those number, the number of listings that have now been remote is increased. So that's great. Uh, and you can even- Oh, you mentioned before, like, I think there there's some group, right? Exclusively for remote work. There's a bunch of different groups actually, yeah. So um, there's a bunch of different groups. Tell us another have, secret, Jordan. Oh, secret. <laughs> um, Tell us the secret group. <laughs> oh, they're public. So yeah, so you can search uh, remote, you know, remote in a remote group in the search mm -hmm. bar and then mm -hmm. set, you know, sort by groups and you'll find a plethora of groups. What I recommend is that you, if, the more specific you can get in those search terms, the better, right? So if you can search you're looking for a customer service role, then you should be looking for either groups or people that have that type of role mm. and be connecting with those people. Create an ecosystem, create a feed, create the LinkedIn experience around what it is that you want. So future pace, right? Like look at where you're at now, look at where you wanna go and say, how do, how do I create the ecosystem mm and the feed of my LinkedIn to look more like the opportunities that will mm -hmm. get me what I want. So if it's a remote customer service job, should be looking for customer service groups, specifically ah. remote customer service groups, if you can get that specific, or you mix between the two, or you search in content, right? You can, you can mm. segment on LinkedIn, you can search by content and by hashtag. You should be yeah. following all of those hashtags. What you are some... Be, what Tell us what are some uh, some good hashtags to follow when it comes to remote work, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be whatever that person specifically is interested in, right? Remote mm -hmm. work is obviously a very broad one. You can you can have some broad ones and you want to have some more niche ones. You want to want to kind of spend time within both. But the idea is that, again, we're curating an experience so that mm -hmm. every time that I go onto my LinkedIn on my homepage, it's curated to show information that is relevant to what my goals are. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people do is they just add everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or they, or they don't not targeted. Yeah. There's no intention or thought into the fact that, Hey, who I add into my network is going to be reflected in what I see every day. So if I'm adding, uh, you know, a, a random person from uh, a different country that has a completely different role that doesn't have a picture, on their profile that misspells things in their titles. Like, is that going to help you get where you want to go? And is that going to show you opportunities in your feed? Yeah. And then the answer is probably not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shout out again to Trevor, like follow companies that you want to work for, right? It ties in exactly with your, your message about be very specific and targeted, right? With yeah. who you connect and follow. And that actually you show up differently in the mm. recruiter side. So if there's a recruiter for a company, here's a couple other quote unquote secrets. Yeah. If, if a recruiter is on the recruiter side of LinkedIn and they are searching for candidates for a specific position and you have followed that company mm -hmm. and, and you've engaged with that company page, the algorithm is actually gonna place you higher in the search result when that recruiter goes to look. 
So they're going to have different filtering systems. And some of those filtering systems are going to be filtered on the type of skills match that you have. So if you have a, a particular number, like each job has like the, the skills, right? And those yes. are the endorsements, right? Yes. So if you look at a job on LinkedIn and a particular job requires you to have customer service as an endorsement, customer support as an endorsement, technology, like whatever the keyword yeah. is, you have to have all those in your endorsements. And you can just add them as skills. You don't even have to have them endorsed. But as long mm -hmm. as you have them as added skills on your profile, you will show up as matched. It's, yeah. it's just part of the qualification. It's just like the, the applicant tracking systems, right? They yes. have certain criteria because there is no possible way that they could sift through the hundreds, sometimes thousands of remote job seekers. Yeah. So you need to figure out how it is you can most match those particular job roles. And even me, like as a, you know, I help um, a company called Delaware Consulting with uh, SAP talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times as I'm going through their profiles, I kind of double, I always do a double take if they're already following our company page. Yeah. So if they're already following our company uh, page, because in the recruiter profile, I can see exactly how long they've been following the company page. Mm -hmm. And if I've seen that they're like a longtime follower, then I know that they really are interested in the company and they yeah. really have a desire to either follow our content or work with us. So yeah. that's important to me. And, and it specifically says followers since September, 2019 or something on yeah. the recruiter page. So, and it's, it's funny how as recruiters, you have to create ways to qualify people. And yeah. sometimes it's not fair. But you know what? Life's not fair. Yeah. So this whole job search process is not about you being the most qualified. It never will be because you will never be the most qualified for any job. There will mm. always be someone who's more qualified. Yeah. So what you need to do is find other unique ways in the door. Yeah. Relationships, engaging with content, backdoors, right? Yes. Things that, that create more of a relationship or a connection to that particular company or to people that work in a particular company. So yeah, how how can job seekers stand out, right? Where rather than being in the the black hole of the ATS system, right? Mm -hmm. How can job seekers stand out for these remote jobs? Yeah, so And by the way, for those of you in the audience, drop us your questions and we'll feature them and and get Jordan to answer them as well. You know, Fanny, I think you had one of the best examples of this that mm -hmm. I've heard, which is look at the job descriptions and yeah. create content based on the keywords and requirements in yeah. job descriptions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like cre create something <laughs> that is specifically valuable to them. Yep. I'll pull up my YouTube video of that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah. Absolutely. What else? While so I this up. Trevor talks about BombBomb. I like Loom, but I think Trevor's sponsored. So I think he has to say BombBomb. But um, <laughs> you, can create, you can create video applications to explain your expertise rather than um, traditionally just sending in a resume, right? You can send it with a video that gives you a little bit more, uh, gives the, what we're trying to create, let's, let's back up. What we're trying to create is trust. Yeah. We're trying to create trust with the other person on the other side of the screen, right? And how do we do that? Well, it's hard to do that through text. 
But as Fanny had mentioned, through video content, it's very effective to do that. Through video applications, yeah. very good to do that. And Andy, Team Loom with you, uh, <laughs> we're gonna make this like a, a huge <laughs> thing. I actually, there's another program called Dub as well, oh. D-U-B-B, who uh, I bought, like they had a lifetime deal for their premium, which was like 50 bucks forever. So mm -hmm. I was using them for a while, but I still like Loom too. Um, so yeah, you yeah. can create this content around what is your mm -hmm. expertise. And this is also useful because yeah. think about it when, when your or when an organization finds out about you, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to try to find you online. Yes. They're going to search you online. That's the first absolutely. thing. That's the first thing any of us do. Like yeah. if I hear about a restaurant, what's the first thing that I do? I go online see what other people are saying about it. Yeah. Right. So we need to create the narrative around <laughs> Trevor's going to be <laughs> on this forever. We need to create the narrative around what people find when they search us. Yeah. Right. And it yeah. looks like you have a great example. Yeah. here. So let's see. Yeah. It. So like, no, I just wanted to point people to my YouTube channel, self plug Fanny. Subscribe. <laughs> Please Fanny subscribe. Day. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, there's a video here that I created on how to create LinkedIn content that lands jobs. And it talks about all about how to leverage job descriptions and pulling out keywords and creating content around that. So feel free to watch that. That's on my channel, Fanny Dunnigan. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how you're going to get notice. You, for instance, if you're applying for a certain job and they're looking for somebody that knows how to build teams. And you happen to have an article or video created all about how to build effective teams. So rather than just sending them your resume, you can point them to this article or the, to this video that you've created. And suddenly they're kind of learning from you versus mm -hmm. just reading a blank, res or not blank, yeah. but reading a resume just full of achievements and experiences. It's a it's a passive versus active process. Yes. So so if I'm if I'm showing this proactivity within the job search process now, mm -hmm. imagine yeah. when I'm working for you. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's that's the key. Is like how do we how do we create that trust and de-risk them hiring you? Yeah. I mean, Michael Smith says create content around what is your unique value proposition. Right. That's what we're talking about to help you stand out as a thought leader, especially for those experienced job seekers, right? Those with 15 or more years of experience. By that point, you're an expert in something. You've yep. really developed and honed your skills and experience around something. So start creating content, mm -hmm. don't you think? I mean, what, what's been your experience when um, employers see these kind of content from job seekers? They feel like they know them. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. And, and here's the key is throughout each point of the interview process, throughout the initial screening to the first real interview with someone from the hiring managing team to the second interview to whatever their process is, mm -hmm. you have to do two things. One, you have to be different in some way than everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Just different. Right. Yeah. Grab attention. Find a way to, to uniquely identify yourself. Two, you have to convince them that you are more than competent to be able to do the job. 
Yeah. So competence within the job, difference within who you are. And and part of that is building a relationship with them, right? Yeah. And 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 being, you know, not being likable for the sake of being likable, but have you ever been in a situation where you've liked or disliked working with somebody? Probably. <laughs> so they yeah. are looking for someone they want to work with. And here's the key is like, if you and one other person are in the last stage of a process and they like you more as a person, even if you're not as qualified, even if they don't yes. think that you're going to be able to out of the box, do the job as well, they may have to do a little bit more training, yeah. but if they like you, and if there's multiple people on the team, they're like, Hey, I, I like had a really good connection with them. I think they fit the culture. The yeah. biggest thing with remote is culture because mm -hmm. you're not creating an in-office culture. It, it just creates a lot of questions mm -hmm. around how you're actually going to fit in when you're working with people across text, across email, across a lot of different low bandwidth communication methods. Yeah, of yeah. course, culture is important in person, but it's a little bit more predictable. If you come into the office and I can read your body language and I can really get a sense of who you are, mm -hmm. we go out to lunch and that's part of the interview. Like, I feel like I'm gonna get a better sense of your energy that way than if I'm just doing it over Zoom. So you have to create as many opportunities as you can to de-risk that for them, create the trust, create the connection, and hopefully they like you and hopefully yeah. you like them. This is a two-way yeah. process. If you don't like them, don't interview, don't yeah. work for them. Yeah. I had two clients this week that said no to interviews. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but in both circumstances, those companies and their impression that they got from those companies was that this was not the right opportunity for them. And how so do you we, form like an impression of the culture when it's remote? Like, how do you, how do you make that feel of what the culture is if, if all of it's remote and it, it's somebody mm -hmm. on the other side of a screen? Like, any thoughts yeah. around that? So do you mean from the employer side or from the- From the uh, job seeker side. Job How seeker do you know side? you're gonna fit yeah. into the culture of that company if you're you're interviewing through Zoom or yeah. over the phone? Like any thoughts uh, around that? You won't, you won't know. Uh, and actually neither side will know for sure, right? Yeah. But yeah. use your intuition. If, if yeah. there are red flags, so let me just, I'll just kind of speak to why um, one of my clients decided not to interview with this company. She. Mm -hmm had originally had an interview scheduled many weeks ago. Yeah. They canceled the interview and they said to her, hey, we are in a position where we're gonna go a different way with this 15 minutes before the interview. Didn't even oh. interview her, just wow. sent her an email out of the blue. And so she's like, okay, well, and we worked on a, we worked on a follow-up email to get feedback, right? So we mm -hmm. sent feedback. Yeah. Uh, like a, a form so that she could get some feedback on what she could do better. You know, we tried to just figure out like why this happened. And lo and behold, a month later, they come back and say, Hey, you know, we're, we'd like to proceed with the interview process. If you're still interested, we said, okay, great. Like let's, let's go through with it. She gets ghosted on the interview. She <gasps> goes to go to the interview. Wow. And yeah. action speaks up. louder than words. And she sends us, wow. hey, you know, I got really sick. I'm so sorry. It, it totally blanked my mind. We had a call about this. I was like, hey, do you think that this is going to happen more if you start working for them? Yeah. And we came to the conclusion that, yeah, this is probably a sign yeah. of a level of disorganization that is not the right place for her to be. Got it. 
So yes. we respectfully decline that, right? And yeah. I think that that's important to know your boundaries too, right? Yep. Like have certain principles, values, boundaries that you live Love by. That. And when you look at a, an organization, go on Glassdoor, find out what people are saying about the organization, find out if you can create any connections. This is why informational interviews are so important. Got to try, try and get connected with somebody at the company prior to working there and get really a good yeah. sense of that culture if you can. And I mean, this is not a, I guess a secret, but I, I think it's worth saying like really know your boundaries and, and check out the company and their culture through Glassdoor. I love that. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the comments and see what people are saying here. Um, Michael Smith. Yes, we saw that one. Create content. Oh, Philip Goodrich. Has anyone ever used video endorsements from former customers or supervisors? Oh, that's an interesting concept to have your former supervisor or whoever you were reporting to give a video endorsement. Have you ever seen that, Jordan? I, I have. I, I, I haven't seen it used in this particular use case, but yeah. I've seen it on people's websites or yeah. in, and I've seen people point to their websites in general, but not like directly link, hey, this is it. So I think here, listen, any way you can get creative and do yeah. something like that, test it out. Like, I think it's a, I think it could only help you, not hurt you. And then this one from Mohammed, um, we need to tailor our resumes according to keywords, but how to maintain a balance between the resume and the LinkedIn profile. Yeah, so actually I, I'm curious about that too. Like I've seen resumes that are very keyword rich, mm -hmm. but because they're so, like it's so heavy on keywords, I, I don't even know if they're doing it because they have the experience in it, or they're just yeah. trying to pop up in my search results. What are your thoughts on that? So I think in terms of common denominators, and I think what he's trying to get at is that he may have a lot more experience than mm. just one role that he's going after. Mm. Let's start from the beginning. The, in a job search, you should be as targeted as, po as possible. If you mm. could only search for one type of position, I would just target that one position. Yeah. But if you're someone who is going to be targeting a couple of different types of positions, you will have to have multiple resumes, right? Mm. And I think what he's saying is if, if I'm going after multiple, you know, types of, of resumes, how do I, uh, how do I distinguish between that discrepancy between my, my resume right here doesn't show that I have all this other experience that's on my LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So I think the, there's no easy answer. It's always like an individual basis, but the more targeted you could be in your search, the better. And then I would look for the common denominators between the keywords of the, of the types of roles you're looking for. So I would actually go to job listings. I would mm -hmm. write down, like I would keep URLs of specific job listings. Yeah. I would batch this work too. Another secret batch work. What does so that in mean? A, in a job search, if I'm going to be searching for positions uh -huh. or, uh, applying or doing X, Y, and Z, I'm going to do these things only one at a time. So if I have an hour of time, I'm not going to save job listings and then apply and then reply to messages. I'm only going to do one thing. I'm only going to be saving job listings. Uh. So for me, it's because you're, the brain only works when you're focused on certain types of activities. So if, yes. if you're constantly switching in between tasks, say that I'm, Say that I pull up an interesting job listing 
Yeah. And I'm trying to find jobs to, to search for. I pull up an interesting one and I get into this rabbit hole of like, oh, wow, this is really cool and interesting. Now I go in and look on LinkedIn. I find all the founders. I find all the people. I start doing this, start doing that. And all of a sudden, I've spent an entire hour on this one sliver right. of my search. Yeah. Whereas I could have batched 30 minutes of just saving different listings that were interesting mm. and then spend the next 30 minutes deciding okay, which ones am I going to actually apply to? Yeah. Or how do I pull my keywords? And then I would just pull keywords. And then you look through and you look at the requirements of those different listings, right. take the keywords and plug them in. I have a, I have a spreadsheet actually that um, I have for this too. Mm. And you plug those in. And once you put those in there, you find the common denominators. It's like, okay, out of all these jobs, I've seen this requirement, this requirement, this requirement, this type of task, Here's what I'm seeing across the board, mm. right? Yes. Effective, effective communication or team. And then you can pull out the common yeah. keywords also. From yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We also have um, from Mitch Jacobs, in addition to likability, how can job seekers gain insights into the company culture and understand how to demonstrate your cultural fit? Mm -hmm. So how to, I think we talked a bit about like, going to Glassdoor and getting yeah. a feel for the interviewer. But I like that. I think to his last question, how do you demonstrate your cultural fit for that company? So you found a company that you think has a similar culture. How do you demonstrate that you have it? Yeah. Uh, so I think, again, this goes back to uh, being part of their ecosystem, mm -hmm. joining their newsletters, following their social media, intentionally mm -hmm. engaging with content that people in the organization are putting out right mm -hmm. because when you do that you start to join the actual conversations you start to see how the company talks about themselves to their customers and that way you can frame it as someone who understands that messaging because the key is like again you're not going to necessarily be able to completely demonstrate that you're a cultural fit mm -hmm. however you will be able to see how they talk to their customers Right. And if you know how a company talks to their customers, you can understand ideally how they want to be seen. Yeah. And, and so if you look on, for instance, any company's LinkedIn and you look on their homepage, guaranteed there mm -hmm. are posts on there that talk about their culture, that talk yeah. about what it is that they're doing, that have webinars that you can attend, yeah. that have interviews from their CEO. Yes. Engage yeah. with those things. Look at yes. those things, find out, you know, what, what is it that they're putting out to the world and how can I use that to my advantage? And it's not about lying. It's about taking that stuff and saying, oh, well, like I have experience here. So I'll give you one example. So I have a client who found a job that in the job listing, it says unicorn. Like oh. we need a blank, blank, blank unicorn to join our team. <laughs> she happens to have a unicorn pinata that she's kept as a mascot for her sports team. Oh, wow. For years, for years. Uh-huh. So that becomes a token of how do I, how do I incorporate this into my messaging to them about why I'm a fit for their mm. culture? Because if they're the type yeah. of company that's using the word unicorn yeah. in their you know, job it's a bit of fun you, in there. They're yeah. silly, right? And then yeah. you look at their yeah. values. You look at the videos they put out. You look at 
pull nuggets, right? Yes. Pull those yes. little nuggets. Those little hints, right? And it takes time. Here's the shit that people don't want to know. This takes mm. time. Yeah. When you're desperate and you're in a job search and you feel like you need something tomorrow, I know that it's hard to invest the time to do this. Yeah. But the reality is over the long term, it's going to save you time. Yes, absolutely. I'm just typing it up. And it's not even a secret, but like it, it does take time, like you said. Yeah. And be patient. I didn't realize right? we were gonna rack up this many secrets. Wow. I well, I thought I was given one secret. Look at that. Benny, like <laughs> Benny, you pull all the secrets out of me. I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. Uh, see? Oh, and see now pull all those content pieces together and then you'll have your top. 10 secrets. We should add it up to 10. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. A nice round number. Um, let's see what else folks are saying in the comments. Um, clients that feel desperate have difficulty not taking being ghosted personally. What do you tell them that helps? That's from Mitch Jacobs. Yeah. Um, this one's tough, but I would read The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. In life, say that again. Don Miguel Ruiz okay. wrote a book called The Four Agreements. Four Agreements, got it. Yes. Okay. And one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. Mm. Because here's the thing it's never about you. People don't act because of you, they act because yeah. of them, their interests, their perspectives on the world. So this is more of just a life thing. I know that rejection can be difficult. Yeah. I know that uh, it can be discouraging but you have really two options. You can take it personally or you can let it go. And mm -hmm. regardless of what you are able to do, you're gonna have emotions, right? Emotions we can't get rid of, but emotions are temporary. They will pass. So you will get over that rejection. And I think the key is, is over time, reducing the amount of time that you feel certain emotions and let them go. Mm. That's, that's the big thing. Um, and that's just a life thing, right? Like, yeah, I used to take stuff so damn personal. Like mm -hmm. if someone didn't want to hang out with me on the weekend or didn't invite me to a party, I would be pissed. I'd be like, <laughs> and I, I text them this long ass oh, text about God. our friendship. And like, this was like, you know, this was like high school, college, uh, early twenties. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I realized like how much that I held myself back by mm -hmm. taking things personally. And I think the more that you can reduce your attachment to things, the easier yeah. that becomes. So meditate, you know, take on a meditation practice, read a book like the the, the four agreements and, and mm -hmm. start to start to try to reduce your attachment to everything in your life, not just the job search, because that will help you yeah. in the job search the more that you're you're uh, you know practicing those things outside of it. So let's switch it a little bit. Um because a lot of times um, in, in my audience, we also have a lot of HR personnel and mm -hmm. um, business owners. And we are definitely, I think, moving towards a remote work culture, right? And a lot of people will be working remote more so than they ever will be, even when things so-called go back to normal, right? So you've worked with a lot of different organizations. What's the best way to foster a culture of remote? remote work in an organization? So this is something that starts with leadership, mm -hmm. really agreeing on what the vision is for the company. Mm -hmm. Because remote organizations that fall apart 
do not have that vision in mind and they end up creating a culture that gets figured out. So instead of having something get figured out along the way, especially with a remote culture that you can't foster within an office, you need to know beforehand what this looks like. You have to have remote work policies, Mm. actual policies, written legal documents around the policies. I, I interviewed a lawyer last week, a remote work lawyer, Mm-hmm. And what she was telling me, wow, was remote blowing, work lawyer. Yeah, she's blowing my mind because there's these situations happening right now where people are being called back into offices and it's illegal. It's actually illegal because these companies who've moved remote do not have that legal authority within their policies to make you come back to the office. Mm. Secondarily, they are at legal risk if they don't have any remote work policies that if you were to for instance, step on a child's toy at your home and break your leg, the company could be liable. Workers' no. compensation because your home office is now the office. And if there is not a remote work policy around what happens if you get hurt working from home, the company can get a lawsuit. Wow. And then there's all these little situations that are that are coming up where this stuff, this cultural stuff has not been thought about before. And yeah, there can be those little things like, Hey, create a a fun Slack channel where you can post whatever you want and, you know, create, we had one in, in remote year where it was called the donut or it's like an automated automated message that would hook you up with one other person in the company that was working in a different department and you'd have a 15 minute call Mm. over zoom and you'd never met. Right. So there's little things like that. Um, there's a few people I recommend following for this kind of content. Yeah. One of those would be uh, Sasha Connor. So she is a uh, uh, virtual work insider is the name of her organization. She okay. has d- been doing this for many, many years. She was the pioneer of Clorox becoming uh, uh, th- their, their first remote division mm. in Clorox. And she was managing $250 million in business yeah. uh, for eight years. Say her name uh, one more time. Sasha S A. S A C H A Connor. Uh, and then um, there's guys at, at Running Remote, um, which is a, an organization that's a, they do conferences and uh, they do they do online free online content. So they have a bunch of stuff on YouTube. So mm. they're really focused on how to build remote cultural organizations and things like yeah. that. And all the stuff you're seeing right now with like these companies that have to have had to really jump into the remote sphere without doing it the right way, quote unquote, are finding themselves in a lot of issues because they haven't, they've never thought about how to create a remote culture. They now are finding those situations where they are micromanaging and they are like Mm -hmm. setting up like tools to track like what they're doing online. That's not how a remote organization culturally should be run. That's a dictatorship. That's a prison. So if, if that's your version of culture, then no one's going to want to work there. So Jordan, final tip so that we can make it secret (laughs) number 10. 10. (laughs) Give us one more secret of finding remote jobs online or any kind of advice around remote jobs online. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so your mindset is actually probably, I don't know if I want to do this one, mindset. Let's go do we, there. Do we let's want it to be there. super tactical or mindset wise? No, okay. let's go there. Let's go okay. in mindset. Okay, so here's, here's what one of the biggest things that, this is the first thing that I talk with with my clients and they never expect that we're going to talk about this, mm. but their mindset is the thing that holds them back from getting a job. Because again, we go back to the conditioning that they've had previously to the fact that they think that they can't find a remote job, that all of the feedback in the world that they've gotten has been negative. Their resume is getting ignored. They have all this uncertainty around the search. So they create this world where it's not gonna happen. And that's, that's difficult, right? Because if you go into a job search and your mindset is poor, and you've already decided that this is hard, you've already decided that you can't do it, you've already mm. decided that you're gonna fail, Yeah. guess what's gonna happen? Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Ah, so true, so true. Let me just get to some of the comments here. We're getting lots of great comments. Uh, wow. Here's another question. How to send a good feedback email to the company? And what are the contents we can include in the email that demonstrates that I'm the right fit for that role? So when I see feedback, that would assume that- I guess they've I guess, had the interview. Um, yeah, I want to get some clarification on that mm -hmm. question. Is that after the interview? Is that uh, before an interview, after you send an application or- yeah, let us know, oh, Mohammed, in the comments. Mm -hmm. Do we want another secret or no? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it'll be 11. It'll be an odd number. Tell odd us. numbers are okay sometimes. Um, never check in. What does that mean? Never check in. When you have either checked in on your application or you're checking in oh, on this, the email. you sound like every other job seeker stop checking in you know what you should do instead of check-in provide some value mm. provide some value to them tell them about what you would do in the first 30 60 90 days of being in the role tell I them about that. something on their website they should fix send them an article about something in the in the in the news recently give them some form of value because if you just continue to check in, you're always gonna get checked out. Oh, I like that. Don't check in, give value instead. How's that oh, for secret I, I number 11? I can't believe I gave that one up. Can't believe it. It's <laughs> gonna keep that one for myself. Hope extract it out of you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, um, odd, odd number of secrets get more views. Yes, yeah, yes. I love that. <laughs> and then, yes. Mindset is crucial, that's for sure, Mitch. And um, ah, I like this question. What's the ideal self-talk for the right mindset? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I'd say going through, there's a couple practices that I do. One mm. of those is meditation and visual, visualization affirmations. So mm. each day, I do this for five to 10 minutes. This is not something that takes up your whole life. For five to 10 minutes a day, I go on YouTube. I've got a smart TV here. I turn it on, go on YouTube, and I search mindset 
meditation five minutes. And there's a, I listen to a new one every day and I sit, I, I lay upright on my bed and uh -huh. I listen to whatever it says. I do the affirmations, I do the visualization, I do the meditation. That's, that's, that's just something that calms me down, that, that gets me started in the right way. And then have a journal. I have a, a journal here. I've actually got three different journals, um, but uh, two of them are like filled out. So I had to order uh, this new one. I'm gonna and do it. I'm gonna make it secret number oh, 12. Cool. So now we gotta go to 13. Um, <laughs> Meditation, so, visualization, affirmation. So in this journal, wow. this is actually, this is the high performance planner from Brennan ah. Bruchard. And this mm -hmm. has morning mindset. So there's prompts, right? So you can, I really like the five minute journal too, but they don't ship to Mexico, unfortunately. Um, so I had to settle for this. I'll ship but it to you, Jordan. Just I order would, it. I don't know. <laughs> Send it to my house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's going to, after the amount of customs we got to pay for it, it's going to be tough. Um, so finding these little practices within your day that allow you to reflect this the other simple thing is reframe right mm -hmm. so here, here's a practice like instead of saying what went wrong today ask yourself how could i have made today even better uh, the questions that you ask yourself the self-talk starts with the questions that you ask yourself so if i'm in a situation where mm -hmm. i'm reflecting on my day and i'm like man what all this stuff went wrong all this uh, instead of that it's like how could i have made today even better and even if you just start re-asking questions to yourself in a positive way, as opposed to a negative frame, you will start to find that your answers are more focused on positivity. Wow. Let me repeat that because it's so worth repeating. Instead yeah. of saying, what went wrong today? Ask yourself, what could have made today even better? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Mind shift. We might need a, another whole episode just on mindset, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. We could, yeah, we just do mindset episodes. Oh, love it, love it. So just to, I mean, look at that. The, the hour is, is almost up. And I do want to, I just have a few more final things. And you know I love content creation, Jordan. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you create content. Gosh, when I first met you, you had your one-minute weekly and... Now you have your remote. By the way, please tell people your your weekly show, the your weekly live show. Yeah, Where remote weekly remote weekly spotlight. Uh, Wednesdays at one p.m. Eastern here on LinkedIn. Yes, yes. So um, definitely connect with yeah. Jordan, follow him, watch his show, so you can even get get even more secrets. Yeah. And that's, job. that's all focused on, I interview different people that mm. have started or are in executive leadership at remote organizations, as well as people that have the insights on how to get hired at these organizations. Yeah. So what have you learned, Jordan, from creating content lessons, benefits? What's been the biggest benefit you've gotten out of creating content? Oh, I lost your audio. Nope. <laughs> Please hold everyone. Technical difficulties. Should I play like Jeopardy music while this happens? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Not yet. Nope. Lost. There we go. Um, okay. So my, this is my. 
AirPods have died. Uh, <laughs> charged, so I don't know. I, I probably have to get some new ones. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit closer because now I'm on my computer mic. Yes. Um, so content is how I met you. Yeah. I think that is the only, like, I mean, if let's just put it this way. If the only thing that happened mm. was that I met Fanny, <laughs> content's worth it. Right? If, if you just meet one person yeah. that because of your content, it changes your life or it produces a relationship that you yeah. care about. And we've done so many co collaborations since then. My girlfriend mm. followed me and liked a photo of mine on Instagram because she liked what I had posted. Mm. Mm. Trevor and I met through a post. Of yes, mine. Trevor so Houston. You need more of like, I don't know, um, reasons to, than that. I don't know what they are. Like my <laughs> other, a lot of my relationships, I've met so many people on LinkedIn in yeah. person. Yeah. Like the whole crew in Dallas, we should, t I mean. Yes, we need we a Dallas reunion. Yes. <laughs> we had a Dallas reunion. We went out to dinner and we just had such a good time. And we went to lunch when I got there and we were with yeah. Kyle and, and Katie and yeah. uh, both Kyles, Jake, Jake. Both, both Jakes. I went and played yeah. basketball with both, with, with Jake. Yeah. Uh, Melton. And Kyle, Jake, Melton, Jake Jordan, yes, Katie Wallace. Yep, yep. I stayed at Kyle's house. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is real, man. It's not like this is real life. Yeah, all because of content. Every single one of those relationships was because of content. Yes, yes, I I would totally agree. I think is that is the greatest part because now I have friendships, connections, partners, collaborators, clients all because of LinkedIn and all yep. because of content. Mm -hmm. um, final thoughts for the day, Jordan. One mm -hmm. last tip for our job seeker audience. What am I going to tell my clients? Like, hey, there's nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, um, okay. So just a final thought. Yeah. Um, this is the best time to mm -hmm. search for remote work. It sounds counterintuitive. It does because I know that there's a lot of people without work right now. I know that um, there's a lot of difficulties, but if you start your relationship building right now with the company that you want to work for, this is the best time to do it. Yeah. Because a lot of these organizations, Box, Square, Upwork, Coinbase, Facebook, Twitter, Square, all of these companies are now going to be remote for the foreseeable future. That is going to happen for more companies. So if you start to create relationships now, it's like like Trevor says, it's who you know, right? And it's who knows, yeah. it's who knows you. So you need Absolutely. to put yourself out there. And if you start that process now, the desperation won't get worse later. And that's Absolutely. the key. It's like always be putting yourself in positions where you can pivot into job roles, you can create relationships, do all those types of things. Yes. So Jordan, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. For those of you in the audience, if you don't know him already, connect with Jordan Carroll. He is the remote job coach. And uh, 
show every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. He goes live. Follow him for more content, more tips. And uh, gosh, what a pleasure. I, I'm, I'm sad it's ending. Yeah. <laughs> that went quick. It's always so much fun. Oh, man. Yes, yes. Well, Jordan, all the best. Enjoy Mexico. I'm jealous. <laughs> That's the true spirit. Right? Oh, I should. Yes. Actually, I'm, I'm curious for all of you. Let's end on a fun note. For all of you in the feed, if travel was no problem, where would you want to work from? What city would you want to work from remotely? What kinds of languages do you want to learn? Ah, uh, yes, yes. So yeah. I know. I I think for me, Bali. I would want to work remotely in Bali for at least three months. Yeah. And yeah, wake up, meditate, journal, do travel vlogs, in head Asia, to the Asia beach. Too, <laughs> and, uh, you get no dis you don't get those distractions because you're so uh, when you wake up. You know, everyone's on a different time zone, so like it's so nice. Uh, but I've had to work that that graveyard shift where, you know, you're trying to stay with U.S. time in, in Asia, and no oh, man, it's tough. So yeah. I don't recommend that. Danielle says Mexico City. Trevor says Rohatan. Where's Rohatan? I don't know my geography. What's Rohatan? Or where is it? That's a good. Trevor, clarify. <laughs> Esther says Guadalajara, Mexico. Roatan in Honduras. Yolanda says Bermuda. Oh, gosh, I miss travel. Yeah. Okay. On that note, that vision of the beach and rolling surf, white sand, I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for your questions. Thank you, Jordan, for all your secrets. And, um, and for those of you out there, keep creating content. Let your, let your light shine and share your value through video. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>